Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the Anfield Wrap on the weekend no one quite saw coming. Hey, I've got Neil, well I am Neil Atkinson, I've got John Milburn, Paula Murphy and Adam Smith to talk about primarily Wolverhampton Wanderers nil, Liverpool 2. But we will touch on other matters arising. There's a big game against Newcastle on the horizon for the Reds and Manchester City drop points. The Anfield Wrap is recorded in association with the Reds Better. They are our partners for 2018. Very, very proud to have partnered with them throughout the course of this year. Uh, half of their profits, uh, i.e. your losses, go to fan-related causes uh, and do select a fan-related cause if you do sign up and if it isn't for you that's absolutely fine everybody should be gamble aware um, let's talk Wolves-Liverpool first if we can contain our excitement for a minute or two John it's easy to say it's another test past we keep saying oh, we've passed another test if you know what I mean and that's that's one way to look at it but maybe at some sort of point we need to say listen all the tests are passed now and we're watching a really good football side who can beat you if the sun's shining and who can beat you if the rain's pouring down yeah I think, I think perspective's a really hard thing to get when you're in the middle of a season and with the pressure that this football team's been put under by by Man City, who probably still will go down in, in some vein of history as being one of the best football teams that, that have existed, certainly in, in the modern era. So it's really, really hard to give yourself the breathing space to be able to take a look back and say, this is probably one of the strongest Liverpool teams ever assembled. Uh, and And whether that results in shiny things at the end of the season or not those things can still be true Yeah, and I think um, you can see and you got to see it up close I think now that the fear in Gary Neville's eyes that the previous frailties that former Liverpool title challenges or recent Liverpool title challenges have succumbed to just aren't there in terms of were built on the most solid defence in the league the most balanced defence in the league, a, a, a defence that's got options. We've got a plethora of, you've almost got five or six, seven top midfield players who can be interchanged and there's so many different permutations and combinations for the horses for courses that I think we would 
um, I think first of all it's difficult to predict who we're going to play but it's almost like Klopp's got this socket set with all these different additions that he can put into that socket set and uh, 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 and sort problems out either before the game or during the game really, really. and then up front um, we seem to be able to carry one or two of that front three not having their A game every single week but we still seem to find ways and Mohamed Salah is, is a very very different footballer from the footballer that we had last season he was mercurial goals good the things he's doing in football matches now have taken him up another level and he may not get the numbers of last season but I think he's playing better than he played for us at any time last season at the moment it's it would have been easy Paula, for everybody to come up with reasons uh, why this won't quite happen today. It would have been easy, for instance, for let's use James Milner as an example, you know, getting on in years, move to right back. Salah being mentioned, you know, in times gone by, it is worth saying weather like that, Friday night, Wolverhampton, having its big night, everyone's up, they are absolutely bang up for it. And yet, you know, they have a decent go first 10. And then Liverpool just crush them to death. And they really do. They just squeeze them and squeeze them and squeeze them until there's nothing left. They run them into the ground. And by the time we get out of there, you know, Wolves are just... I was walking out amongst Wolves supporters. It was dead interesting because they were all like, that's some team. That's just done that to us because they rate themselves. And that's the other thing as well. That was a good Wolves side who were fit for that purpose. I mean, as you said at the start, they were seventh or eighth in the league for a reason. They haven't got that through jamminess. They've got that through doggedness and through playing teams that really expect them to roll over and they've clung in, they've hung in, clung on to a draw or even ground out a victory. So they are, you know, a decent opposition. What was interesting for me, because I, I watched the game in two houses, It was because it was Mad Friday, I didn't want to go out. Um, and I watched half in my mates, four, four, four um, houses down the road from my mum and half in my mum's. And you're watching it and you're thinking, oh, yeah, conditions are tough. And then you get a close-up because from the stands, it looks rainy. You get a close-up and it looks like a typhoon. And you think not only was that difficult conditions for everybody, but how was any single pass executed in the driving wind and the rain? So the fact that the quality of the football was was experienced and the fact that the doggedness to which our team was able to display and thinking, you know what, this isn't pretty, but we're just gonna we're just gonna do these ugly wins that other people that have won championships and won Premier Leagues are being famous for. And it was it was I felt it was a bit like of of a of a really key moment because you come away thinking that was as grim as it could get, but we never let them get the better of us. And we were just like, we're in a better class. I think the class, the class is, is what this side settled into, Adam. Um, the class and the conditioning. We were talking a lot around, you know, let's use Leicester away as an example, where Liverpool they win two one. Um, they play really well to start with, and then they never quite seem properly back in control of the match. But they they hang on. They see the game out cleverly. That's different to what happened against Wolves, and you do sort of wonder now whether or not there was still a lot of almost pre-season work going on back then, and now Liverpool's. Class, certainty, the fact, the feeling that they deserve to be where they are, to have the points on the board that they've got, combined with the fact that they just look, you know, this is not this is not the first time Burnley, um, Everton uh, in patches, um, Bournemouth, uh, Napoli, 
Man United, Liverpool look Watford, Liverpool look fitter than all these opponents in the last half an hour. Uh, I think Everton might be the only exception there, but the rest of them they look fitter, fitter, stronger than them all in the last half an hour of all of those games. Yes, and I think that I think I think Jurgen Klopp has looked at what happened with City last season, and he's said that they tired towards the end of the campaign and they started to look a little bit ragged towards the end of the campaign. So if we can keep toe-to-toe with them, then being able to be fitter than them towards the end of the season might be the the key thing because they came out of the traps last season, got themselves into such a lead that nobody could do anything about it. I mean, look, they still got 100 points, so they obviously weren't terrible towards the end of the season. But I, I do think that they... That was more because it became a procession than anything else. The teams were just going, well, we're going to lose to City because they're the best team that's ever played, blah, blah, blah. So I think uh, this could go any which way. And I may, I'm, you know, we might turn around in May and say, do you remember when you said that? And then then, then it turned out to be complete crap. But uh, it feels to me like this is a team that's, that was set up to to still be going through the conditioning phase at the start of the season to be ready for the middle of the season to then have the adrenaline to kick on for the end of the season and and that that is what seems to be happening because they they looked gone wolves you know because they, they played really well like they, they they really did do exactly what we thought they were going to do which is make life very very difficult for us but towards the end of it they, you know they, they they were starting they were just starting to struggle to get there and, and we just controlled it and we just said we're we're a better team than you we've got the one goal that means we've won now that was basically what it felt as soon as the goal went in because they've they've conceded the joint lowest number of goals ever before Christmas in a Premier League campaign and it felt like they just said we've scored our goal that's it now that's it the game's won the game's done and and Wolves still believed until the Van Dyke goal went in and then as soon as that goal that was it, it they, we, we could have walked off then because they weren't winning you know they weren't getting anything out of the game as soon as the second goal went in because it kicked the stuffing right out of them any little tiny belief that they might snatch a draw just went um individual little things interesting throughout the whole game uh, firstly Johnny goes he goes Henderson Fabinho for the first time we've seen that for the first time in a while I used to feel a bit sorry for Henderson last season where for instance Ego, um, Emery Chan sometimes would get to play with Wijnaldum in a bit more of a two whereas whenever Henderson was on the pitch he was always just you get on with all that Jordan and these lads are going to go and do a little bit of this um, I thought it looked really nice, I thought he dovetailed nicely, I thought there was a little bit of being able to cover for one another in every single sense, I, I wonder whether or not we might see a lot of that now away from home, if that might become the manager's go-to for a, for a number of, of away games, um, certainly those Against decent opposition, but the opposition who, who who may well you know who may well just look to huff and puff. Yeah, I, I think I ag- agree with most of that. I, I did think, particularly in the first half, I, I didn't feel the, the midfield was functioning perfectly. I thought there was so. There's a couple of things I would say. I would say that Wolves Wolves started brightly, and we made one or two errors, which you can expect in those conditions. Um, and I thought in the midfield, both Henderson looked back to his best. I thought Fabinho got the balance right between wanting to support the attacks when necessary. He seems to be able to read interceptions incredibly well. He seems to inter- intercept more than any other uh, Liverpool midfielder in, in a long time. I thought Keita really struggled with the game. Mm. I, thought, I thought Keita... Um, it, 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 it was unkind to him. They were the worst. 
set of um, Tory pricks we've been to see this season as a, as a, as a home crowd. They had that ridiculous um, Kevin and Perry light show before the game. I don't know if you got to see that, Neil, but you tried to get a rave going in the ground. It was brilliant, to be honest with you, John. It, started, yeah, so it kicked off my Friday night, and I think we should start doing it. <laughs> so it, just, oh, it, it might have been sound in the ground. It looked, I just wish they played Dua Lipa. Right, well, I was just yeah, willing to yeah. play Dua Lipa. I was thinking yeah. they'll go right off here. It, it looked ridiculous on the TV, but I, I imagine like six or seven wines deep, it might have been sound in the ground. I suppose. But you, you had the, the sign on songs and they feed the scousers. So they've, they've obviously been watching Soccer AM and Sky Sports Premier League coverage for years and decided they want to be another Man United light in terms of Tory shouts against Scousers. There was a horrific challenge on um, on Naby Keita quite early on, which apparently resulted in having a cut yeah. on his... Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. and they, they, they then decided to boo him every single time he went near the ball and I, I don't think it did his confidence a world of good. So I was, I'll be honest, I was I was crying for a change in the first half in the midfield. I didn't I didn't think it was it was quite worth it. Um, uh, but but when when Keita went off um, injured, I thought the midfield just looked perfect in a lot of ways. I thought I thought you going got to see the best bits of of the Fabino and and and, and Henderson partnership. Um, it's one where you you're looking to see them. You're looking to see them be given the opportunity to kick on. We're not going to get to see it right now, Adam. You know, the manager is going to make changes. John said before, it's like a soccer set there in midfield. But it it, it was the presence of them again. Shit, I'll do that. I already think about yeah, it. No, no. Sorry. <laughs> it's like Cody Meccano, uh, one who works for the teenagers. Um, it, it was one where I think you you got to see the, you know, you, they're both six foot two. They're both big lads. They're both strong. They can both cover across the ground. It, Wijnaldum's really impressed this season in there as well I think and also you know for instance remember the Man City home game when it was Henderson and Wijnaldum when Keiter and Milner sort of swapped through injury <laughs> through the game but it's the balance there'll be times because you'll always find something that isn't quite right there'll be times where we'll be saying well is it, is, it, is there enough creativity is there enough of this is there enough guile is there enough drive forward carrying the ball you can always say I'd like more of X but it just looks to me all the time now like the, the with his midfield options, he's always got the possibility to, to to get genuine balance for what he needs in there. Yeah, I think I think that that I think most of the most of us most of the more sensible people have been saying you know throughout the season that it's going to be a horses for courses thing when it comes to the midfield that he's going to pick the ones that he thinks rather than you know these are my first choice starters and they're going to play every single week I think it's going to be he's going to chop and change and I think you're starting to see that now that Fabinho has settled into the the club a little bit more I think you're starting to see that um the only slight negative for me, and I know I'm going to get hounded out for this, but I, I, I'm a little bit worried about Cater now. I'm a little bit worried about him because I didn't think he was good. And I know he had an injury, but I, I feel like everybody was so desperate for him to be brilliant that when he arrived and did anything even remotely slightly interesting, like dropped his shoulder and lost a man, there were gifts about it and everyone was going, oh my God, look at this. Oh, he sent him for the echo, all that sort of stuff. But I haven't really seen him play a game yet where I've been like oh that's the player that I was expecting us to have signed and and I want that to happen sooner rather than later because I don't want I don't want it to get into his own head about it and as I say I, I, people might call me an absolute moron for that and I'm I, you know I'm sure I'll get loads of stick for it but I, that's the one thing about the midfield that I'm slightly oh, are we, about. is there something out of in the idea we may be waiting for a statement performance that isn't going to come and yes. that's fine do you know what I mean yes like, absolutely I'll, I think that's totally fair and I, I think I think for me 
personally, I think part of the problem with him is that we were told he was this player before he arrived, and maybe he's not, and that's okay. Um, or maybe not. Maybe Klopp's not using him like that because you know a, a similar thing could have been said about Wijnaldum. You know, he was, he's this sort of player, and then he's arrived and he's being used as a, as a defensive midfielder type my, thing. So. My, my, my my mate George, we, we, I think we were at the, was it the United game. I can't remember. It was one game that week when we played Everton. Um, United and uh, Napoli in the same week and he was saying to me I'm waiting for the guy I watched on YouTube mm-hmm. but if you think about YouTube videos like, yeah. like three minutes long or something and he carries the ball and shoots like about twice and that's like that's his highlights for three years in the in the Bundesliga it doesn't necessarily mean that's what that, that's anachronistic of his game do you know what I mean so, but, but I've heard he still can't speak English I've heard that um, there's a lot of talk around the club about the fact that they're not really that happy with the fact that he had a year to learn English. Mm. And initially, when he first joined the squad for pre-season, because he was, I think he joined up on day one, the, yeah. the first official day, and they were really gobsmacked at, at the fact that he didn't take that year to learn English and that he's trying to still speak as if he's a Frank, Frank file, he's French speaking. Mm. And... I think that seems to be well. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but, but I wonder if that's they, affecting. It could be playing a part in, in. in terms of the settling, Paula. But there is a thing here where, for instance, if let's say hypothetically we buy Roberto Firmino this season, and Roberto Firmino, we've seen everything he's done for another club exactly the same way, yeah. and now we're using him like this. Yeah. And at the minute, you're not getting, you know, you're not getting Roberto Firmino's highlights real from last season. I thought yeah. he was excellent first half against Wolves, but you're not getting his highlights real from last season, are you? No. And I do wonder if there is a little bit of that here. That basically, the the manager's job is not to get ten out of ten performances out of Abi Kaita. The manager's job is to be played eighteen, one fifteen, drawn three for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we think the job is to actually make them all play ten out of ten, whereas sometimes some players just end up getting a bit sacrificed. I, I also think that. I think the Wolves game for me is the is the sort of encapsulation of why it is mental to argue till you're blue in the face about football opinions because I, I watched it for example and I thought Fabinho was quite poor because he gave the ball away so many times and then at the end of the game loads of people were saying Fabinho was brilliant because he kept moving across and going exactly like Johnny said before and that both of those opinions are, 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 are valid you know what I mean he did give the ball away a few times quite dangerously but he also did shift across and cut out loads of dangerous things and the, the cater thing there will be loads of people that, that are desperate for him to be one sort of player and then a bit disappointed but then there's probably loads of us as well it was sort of watching it and kind of being like well do you know what he's, he's doing a, he's doing the job that the manager's asking him to do and that's okay and it's a, it's that mad thing about you know why people argue so vociferously over something when actually well it's just a you just my opinion of what I want him to do is different from what you want him to do is different from what Johnny wants him to do and that's okay and also the the critical one is where's Jurgen Klopp? Yes. <laughs> is he doing what yeah, Jurgen yeah, Klopp wants to do? And I think that's yeah. always, always a little bit of a tricky part. Um, there is, I think, something in, something in the, the idea as well, John, that certain players are coming to the party. You said before about Salah's shift in his game and in, in his approach. That is a brilliant number nine performance from Mohamed Salah. It really is. It's a terrific number nine performance, and he's he's very. He's all action. I thought Willie Bowley played him really well. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you know, Willie Bowley really has a good game, played the longest night of his life in the pouring rain, and does a really good job. But Mohamed Salah's got a goal and an assist, and that's the purpose of the enterprise. Yeah, I think, I think Gibbo said the other week about, I think, quoting Mike Nevin, where he said, like, he's making a show of, of our of our heroes. And, like, I don't think Liverpool have ever had a footballer like, like Mohamed Salah. I think you, you look at the way Suarez was. Um, all action Tasmanian devil type 
um, force of nature and some of the most ridiculous skill I've ever seen in, 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 from a from a from a forward player. I think what what Salah Salah's just doing some really 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 clever stuff that sort of goes unnoticed. He start, I don't even notice on corners now. He sort of he's drifting to the edge of the D and just finding himself in acres of space. Yeah. And that's what led to him being able to put the assist in that sorted. Um, the sorted verge of for 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 his goal and I think the the intelligence of him and again this is completely this should be apropos of nothing really but uh, there's the club have put out a video this morning of the players surprising um, school kids who, uh, and they come from behind the curtain mm. and they're saying who's your favourite player and the kid says Salah and then Salah appears what's really really Telling in those videos, it's really lovely videos. I had a nice little watery eye moment this morning, uh, sat on the couch uh, uh, watching that. But Salah comes through, and the intel- his intelligence. So, so knowing that English isn't his first language, the way that he can relate with humour to those to those kids, um, kids with really really strong Liverpool accents. He just he, 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 the intelligence of the man. I think. Um, is everything about him so, so the things you see on the football pitch it's not Jurgen Klopp told me to go and stand here mm. he's taken up positions on the pitch that, that are born out of a, a guy that instinctively really really understands the game but I think that's, I, I think that's true John I think part of it though is it's problem solving yeah, yeah. I think what you see from him all the time is problem solving and I think it's really interesting and I think again where the manager deserves massive credit for that is I think I think if, if he was here he'd say yeah I'm educating them to be problem solvers I can't solve the problems for them but I can educate them to be problem solvers I, one, of, one of the, the often levelled criticisms of, of, of Brendan Rodgers is Brendan Rodgers tried to Solve all the problems from the bench. So I remember being at Wembley for the uh, against Villa, and he, he, we played about six different formations in that game. And that's Brendan Rodgers saying, "I don't trust you lads to sort this out. I have to sort it out, yeah. and and I, I take the weight of responsibility." And he ultimately paid for that with, with with his job to a large extent, where to use like a bit of leadership and management speak bollocks. What he, what he's definitely doing is empowering his team to give them the information they need to be able to to, to solve problems. There's something about. They've galvanised themselves, Paul, and I think Salad is almost your, your prime example of it. Into this, I mentioned the problem solving there thing, but it's more the, there's a there's a seriousness of purpose about them, which you know arguably may not have been there even last season, other than in the European games, where this it looks like they're stepping up for the big prize. And Salah's the best example of this. Last season there was a, there was a real desperation to get Salah that golden boot. This season you get the impression there's a serious desperation to win the league title. Yeah, I, and it's 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 palpable. I think the difference is palpable, and there's a lot of talk on social media of of the fact that people are worried sick that Salah's not smiling when he scores a goal, and it's all over the place. And I'm sort of looking at it thinking. I'm just wondering whether he's, it's not about smiling, whether he's thinking another step, another move forward in the right direction. And you're absolutely right in that there just seems to be, I think last year, watching watching it with the benefit of hindsight, if you look at him play last season, you look at goal reels, you look at, you know, Roma game, you look at the City game at home, you know, there was a gay abandon to those to those uh, performances but now we're 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 down to business now and it's not we're not 
it's not like we're going to work to have a laugh. We're going to work to do something now. And that's what I feel is coming across, a sense of, of seriousness, a sense of purpose, and a sense of, of, of a sort of really united direction. They said post-match, uh, Adam Klopp says, you know, at the end of the season, you, you may need 105 points to be champions. Uh, we cannot start a party. I think that, you know, for me, that was summed up with Milner at right back. You know, Milner at right back was just so much sense. I mean, sense in everything that he did. He fouled people brilliantly in the right places. And again, you know, the killing time at the end of the match. Let's just do oh, that for a bit. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Ch- chatting away to the Lions. Yeah. And- Milner and Lallana just basically said, you're not getting out of here. You're not getting out. We're just going to do this here for a while. And it was brilliant. And again, that's not, this is, this is, this is what we're trying to win this league. We're trying, there's a league to be won. We're trying to win it. Mm. And of course, it's absolutely worth bearing in mind that he's the one of the group that's won the league title. He, you know, he, he knows what to do because he won it with City, didn't he, in 13 14. So he, he's got that experience of knowing what matches take to shut them out and to win them and to shut them down. So that's interesting in and of itself. Um, And it's just, it's a group of lads who seem very much to be aware of the fact that they, they are up against the best team in the Premier League era, arguably the best team in the in the history of the game in terms of points scored and all that last season with with City. And they if they if they're gonna win the title, they need to win probably seventeen of the last nineteen games or whatever it is. You know, that 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 is our probably eighteen of twenty, whatever it is we've got left, that is what they're gonna need to win to win the league title. And having that sense of we need to be at it every single game if we're going to have any hope whatsoever of winning the league title is 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 it's probably freeing in a way isn't it well i think it's free and i think it going but i think it wasn't necessarily freeing in september mm. uh, or october but now because the one has got this memory now of doing this yes but also this the other thing everyone keeps saying we can't we can't say they're all cup finals mm. but i think i think we sort of have like mm. they're going into them like this is yet another cup final where this this needs to be won yeah and i think that is it is sort of freeing in that it just means that there's no there's no choice there's no option you're, you're, you're almost freed up by the lack of choice you've got to win in, in the days where an away draw under those in those to, to a team in the top seven, under those conditions, it, w- it would be potentially seen as a good point. There's none of that discussion in this football team. You, you've got it's a pretty binary. You've got to win every single game. Now that may not eventually be true, but right now that's the truth that this this team exists in, and that's the the mantra. And you can see that they're not going there trying to get a point. And in, in any in any single game. A point's not enough, and, and, and I think it, it is liberating. You can think about times when there's been European matches, and we've thought about, well, a draw will do us here, um, and it, it, you get caught between two stools. Napoli away this season yeah, may be a good yeah, example. Yeah, and so, what, what? What? I think they've got themselves relentlessly accumulating three point wins, and, and, and regardless of the opposition, we will go to main to the Etihad on the third of January with one. A point. We won't be going there for a point. I mean, actually, a point might be sound there, actually, but we won't be going there for a point. I don't think on January. I want to talk about Van Dijk. Then I want to talk about. I want to go in. I've got Chris War uh, talking about Newcastle and what we can expect from them. Look ahead to that game and put this into historical significance. Also, going to get joined by Carl Carpack for that. But first, I want to talk about Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, Paula, I'm. I've, I've been irritated by his song because 
as much as I like to watch him defend, yes, um, good. I, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've been watching him score for, for, the, for the Netherlands on YouTube. Looks gorgeous, uh, but yeah, it is a it's a, it's a delightful finish. Uh, as 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 John put it in his match rating, he looked like Aldridge uh, as he as he comes in there and passes it calmly into the into the back of the net. He's He's got absolutely everything, and it was a, it was a, even though I don't think it's his best performance of the season. That was a great a great demonstration of him having absolutely everything. I think what what amazes me and impresses me in equal measures about him at the moment is he was basically at that posi- at that point in time operating in a number nine position. But we trust him so much that none of us were bothered. Normally, if we'd have had Lovren in that position, we'd have wanted to kill him. But we trust Van Dyke. We we've got a bank of history now. We've got a bank of performances where we think, yeah, he's sound. He's going to get back and cover that. Where is he? There. Oh, yeah, it's it's all right. It's and and I think that's more what's impressing me is the fact that he's getting us to trust him and he's getting everyone else to trust him. And at the same time, opposition think, oh, where is he now? Oh God, he's there. God, he's going to be back there in five minutes. He tracks back like like a like an unbelievable hundred meter sprinter. It's beyond belief. I I love his his occasional decision that he's just going to go wherever the game is for a bit. Adam, I, I like this sort of new innovation that he's going to. I, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he popped up at some point this season and did three or four minutes left wing, because that's where the game is now. I'll just go where the game is because I can look after it there. I'll just put it in my sphere of influence, and if that means I've got to move my sphere of influence. That sounds. He did a little bit of yeah. I'll just do two minutes in centre I think boys uh, against Wolves, but he just looks. Again, he looks like a man who's very much enjoying his work, I think. I think he's very much enjoying the fact that he's getting to be Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk in this team in this season. Definitely. He's loving He's loving the job. He's loving the the, the expectation, I think, is what he's really enjoying. And uh, he, he said in the interview afterwards that he had a cold and he played like that. I mean, I get a cath to put him if I could have a cold, so I have to go stand up to go for a piss. Like it, That is mental that he's playing a game like that. when Because he was unbelievable. And he is... He is He's the closest human to a thoroughbred racehorse I've ever seen because he just trots through the game, but then sprints when he needs to for the finishing line. You know that when he rate that the bit that's doing the rounds of him and Traore, where you know, and and he is fast like it. Don Traore is a fast lad, and but Virgil just doesn't even look like he's breaking a sweat to keep up with him. And then the rest, then then the rest of the time you see him, and he's just walking around with the ball, and everyone else is going left right. It's just it's like he's in a different game to like that that. That Wolves performance is is one of the best defensive. Well, no, that's not true. One of the best performances from a defender I've seen because he he did everything like you say. He popped up all over the place. Exactly like Paula said, scores a goal beautifully. But you know, but defensively, he was just on the end of everything. It was incredible. I think the, the Traore thing really makes me laugh. Like it's like Van Dijk's going, "Quick are you? Uh, <laughs> how quick are you with my hand on you and uh, running next to me?" And then he and you know because if they got if they got into a foot race, there would only be one winner, John. But he just does enough with his body. Every single part of it is, I'm just going to control you out of this situation. And even then, it's not like a slide and tackle to put it into touch. No, no, no. We're keeping this ball now, mate. Yeah, we, like I regard Mark Lawrence as being one of the best defenders I've ever seen play the game, and and, and I think. What you'd see a lot from Mark Lawrence would, would would be uh, a lot of last ditched, well well timed, but last ditched tackling. You don't really see a lot of that from Virgil Van Dijk. He's generally on his feet, edging players out of the game. And I think there was a thing on Twitter yesterday. It may have been Heaton being mischievous, actually, where he he dug out 
the um, the announcement that we'd signed Virgil van Dijk <laughs> from last December or something like that, and somebody said like check out these comments, and you can see all the comments from other fans predominantly saying. I can't believe you spend all that money on this guy, blah, blah. What, what, what I can't understand is how this is such a surprise to it, to us and the rest of the football world uh, how how much this guy's developed in the last 12 months because people were... Do you remember Paddy Power made a big gold statue yeah, of him and yeah. put it outside the ground because they thought it was hilarious that we'd spent that much money on a centre-half? It, it now appears to be one of the best pieces of business that we've yeah. executed in the last... 20 years I would say in terms of value for money him and the goalkeeper for value for money it's up there with the business of the 88 um, summer I think but it's also I think it's also back to buying personalities John he's mm. not just buying footballers you're buying personalities what him and the goalkeeper bring is that sort of that collective calm and that sort of we're, we're going to see everyone through this we'll see ourselves through this and we're going to occasionally make mistakes and that's fine and I think that there's something else in that as well which is if you make mistakes it's a bit like you're able to go as Paul Cope keeps saying to me you can't come and get a better one. I'm the yeah. best one of it. So if, we, if yeah. I make a mistake, well, I'm yeah. just the goalkeeper doesn't handle something very well in that game, and it, you know, it, and he, that's off the back of not handling something very well against United. And it, but but it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter because he's the best one you can get. There's not the best one. There's not another aisle in the shop where we can go. Well, we should we should have gone to Harrods to get our goalkeepers. Yeah. We we actually bought one of the top two or three in the world. So there's not like had we spent another ten million, these problems wouldn't happen. We're actually enjoying the the very very best that's out there. So it gets. Really of the morning I think I, I think the one you mentioned before Neil right at the start about tests and passing all the tests and in a footballing sense I think you're right that we've passed all of these tests in terms of who we're going to play I think the big test that's going to come up between now and the end of the season is what we do when Van Dijk can't play for some reason What what how we handle at the back him not playing because I think uh, personally I'm of the belief that the most important player we signed in the summer is the goalkeeper Sorry, the most important player we've signed recently is the goalkeeper because defensively we didn't give away a huge number of golden opportunities before Van Dijk arrived. But every time we did, the feather in the net was rubbish, and so it was a goal pretty much every single time. We've now got somebody who's who's not making, you know, who's stopping that happening most of the time. Van Dijk though is 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 unquestionably right beneath him in, in my personal rankings, and um, that my only question is how we're going to handle it, both in terms of the players on the pitch and as a fan base, what we're going to happen if Van Dijk picked up an injury, say missed three games. That's the net. That's the only test that that I'm mildly worried about now between between now and the end of the season. I think. Uh, we're going to get back in and going to talk about the historical consequence, context of all of this sort of stuff. We're also going to have a chat about what we should do against Newcastle and about Manchester City dropping points against Crystal Palace. But before then, I spoke to Chris War uh, from the Chronicle about what Newcastle are up to, what we can expect at Anfield, and how bad it was for them against Fulham at the weekend. Joined by Chris War to talk Newcastle uh, and to talk about a season which is defined by. Solid results. I don't think it was particularly inspiring for anybody uh, at home to Fulham yesterday, Chris. It didn't look from the outside like it was a great game of football in any way, shape or form. But there'll be part of Rafa Benitez mildly, mildly satisfied in that Fulham didn't get anything off Newcastle. Um, and I think that that, at the minute, is the job in hand. Well, I think it's an understatement to say it wasn't a good game of football yesterday. It was one of the worst <laughs> games of football I've seen in a long time. I mean, Newcastle didn't have a shot on target at home against a team who were bottom of the table, hadn't kept a clean sheet all season, and have conceded 42 goals. And it was, I mean, Fulham themselves were terrible, had a couple of chances later on, but it was, it really, really was a poor game. And unfortunately, we're seeing that quite frequently with Newcastle because 
the gap between the bottom seven and the rest of the league is is huge. I mean, last weekend they won at Huddersfield in, in a terrible match, but yesterday really was poor. Uh, Benitez was frustrated on the touchline because his team just couldn't break down Fulham. They don't have that creative spark. They lack intelligence in the final third, and their home form is a concern. But as you say, I also think there was a part of him where midway through the second half, when Newcastle fans were screaming for him to change things, to, to change formation or bring on an attacking player, I think that he looked back to the Wolves game four nights ago when Newcastle lost it late on and thought, we need to make sure we don't lose this game. Now, we probably can't win it, but we have to make sure we don't lose it. And they are five points clear of the drop zone, which is a positive. Although if you look at the fixtures coming up, I think that gap will close in the next few weeks. You mentioned the gap closing in the next few weeks. You also mentioned his post-match comments, but he says they were all about decision-making. And I think this is, you know, it's. I think it's what's so important for him is that he wants to see his footballers make the right decisions. I don't think he's under any illusions, is he, about the quality of player he's got, Chris, at his disposal at times. But I think he wants them to to not be stupid. I think that's always something that's marked out his management is he wants his, his footballers to make the right decision. He thinks he's trying to give them all the information to make the right decision. And then if they do, if they're not doing that, that is possibly his greatest frustration. It is, and that was why he was so exasperated after the Wolves game he came in the press conference afterwards and he reeled after that game about decisions involved but I really think that there was an inner frustration that he wanted to hide over his players and the fact that they hadn't been game wise street wise in the last uh, few minutes of that match and they'd managed to lose a game that they should have got a, a point from which would have been decent given no doubt 10 men and the Newcastle do just lack quality and invention in the final third. It, the irony is of their home form this season is that teams are doing precisely to Newcastle at St James's Park what Newcastle are doing to teams away from St James's Park. Away from home, Newcastle looks so much more comfortable in their skin. Uh, the onus is on the opposition most of the time. Newcastle can sit off, be as organised as, as Benitez teams always are, and then try and catch them on the break. They don't have to necessarily... Uh, break down opposition defences because the gaps appear naturally, whereas at St James's, as soon as you have teams who sit back against them, and uh, Newcastle yesterday at times were absolutely directionless. They just were passing the ball from side to side and going nowhere with it. And that that is that is the bizarre situation in Newcastle at the moment is that they are just so be- much better away from home than they are at St James's Park. Um, you said before, and with this is with the Lionel Liverpool game, you said Newcastle are five points clear of of, of the relegation zone. And yet, they're arguably six, aren't they, Chris? And this is something that's going to inform this Liverpool performance that's coming up. Because with Cardiff shipping five to Man United yesterday, 5-1. Cardiff sitting 17th. Uh, their goal difference is minus 20. Points Hall so far, 14. Burnley's is minus 20, 12. Huddersfield's minus 20, 10. Fulham's minus 26, 10. Newcastle's is minus 8. And I think that that... that that's worth bearing in mind with this fixture coming up on Boxing Day. Newcastle don't expect any change in any sort of approach if they go a goal or two goals behind. Is that fair? Yeah, that's exactly how Benitez will go to Anfield and it will be, let's make sure we stay in this game as long as possible. Not only will that protect the goal difference, but it gives Newcastle a chance of maybe getting a point or nicking the game, as, as unlikely as that may be. But certainly, yeah, Newcastle will be as defensively solid as possible. It's how they've treated all the games against any of the so-called big six this season. And, and, and last season, it served them well. In the end, it, it wasn't the goal difference wasn't what they needed to steal, but it, was, it did get them a 10th place finish. I think it was three places higher because they had a better goal difference than those around them. At the moment, uh, that is really is the difference Newcastle have compared to most of their teams down there. It is like an extra point to them. 
Anthony has cited it the other week that very few teams with strong defences go down. And I think he's right in that regard. The issue is Newcastle are really struggling to get the ball in the back of net at the other end. But as long as they aren't conceding too many and other teams aren't picking up points in around them, then that is really is invaluable, the goal difference they have. Um, is he likely to make changes for this one? I He's got Watford away. And I think it's almost a shame from a Liverpool point of view that Newcastle got back-to-back away games because if it was... But you, you've just said before that actually Newcastle are doing pretty well on the road. They're doing decent stuff on the road. So do you think that it's he's likely to make a few changes with an eye on well we could go to we're much more likely to get something from Watford he's the ultimate pragmatist but he says if we can limit the damage at Anfield and then go from there or do you think he'll go you know will he go Perez and Rondon for instance is what I'm asking I'd be surprised if, if he if he doesn't make changes for a start three games in a week and as Liverpool fans will know better than anyone Benitez when you get, there's three games in a week will rotate he will make changes he has to make one enforced change Kee Sung Young is already going away at the Asian Cup pre training camp this week so he isn't available so there will be a change there Shelby isn't fit so I think Hayden will come in midfield uh, Federico Fernandez is back from injury didn't play yesterday I think he's likely to feature and Jacob Murphy wasn't even in the squad but more often than not Benitez seems to bring Murphy in from nowhere to play him in these big games against against the, the big six away from home because he just tells them to, to run him behind on the counter-attack he essentially becomes the outlet so I think that there will be a few changes. Newcastle will probably play five at the back, not a three at the back. It will be a five at the back, two old midfielders, and just try and catch Liverpool on the break if they can. So I think it will be a, a very much defence-first performance, and I think Liverpool will be enjoying 70% possession as a minimum. Um, just one last little thing on Rondon. Uh, may or may not start this one, but he's really come alive, hasn't he, under Benitez last few weeks? It's whilst it's frustrating, whilst the service may not be there for him all the time, he's he's a player who's who is able to to to, to carry a threat. And if he doesn't start this, and there's only one or one goal in it, say with twenty to go, you can expect to see him off the bench. Yeah, and Benitez was asked quite extensively about him on Friday because obviously Mitrovic was coming back to St James's Park yesterday for the for the Fulham game, and he basically what he said was that Mitrovic is a good player, score goals, but he just wasn't suited to our team. Rondon was someone I identified who would be. He's the focal point to the Newcastle side. It's not just that he is the goal scorer, but particularly away from home in those games where Newcastle don't have so, that much possession, Rondon uh, offers himself, he runs the channels, he, he occupies defenders, and he does bring teammates into play and help with counter-attacks. So he has really come into form the last six weeks after a frustrating injury-affected start of the season. And I think that... Uh, he is crucial to Newcastle if they can keep him fitting up front. I think he will score enough goals for them. And yes, it, I think he probably will start on Wednesday, but it may just be an hour and then Newcastle change things. But otherwise, yes, he could come on last 20 minutes and, and, and give Newcastle a real threat off the bench. Uh, give me a quick prediction, Chris. Uh, I'm going to go with Liverpool 2-0. I, I just can't see Newcastle getting anything from it, unfortunately. I think that they'll... I think they'll they'll give a good account of themselves and frustrate Liverpool for long periods, but I, I just think that, that, that Liverpool have too much. Interesting talking to Chris about Newcastle there. Thank you very much to him for giving his time up over the Christmas period for a little chat. Uh, Carl Carpack joined us, and Carl, let's be quite clear about this. We shouldn't be taking anything for granted against Newcastle, although the record against the big sides across the last couple of seasons is not very good at, at all, uh, apart from from the point of view of managing the goal difference predominantly. You know, they, they don't get yeah. battered, uh, yeah. but they, they, they've, they've, they've not been terrifying people. But if Liverpool beat Newcastle, and it is an if, and there's not, this isn't a complacent yeah. conversation, yeah. but if Liverpool beat Newcastle, they are played 19, that is half the games, won 16, drawn 3. And 
you've never seen the likes of this. I mean, it's it's astonishing form. It's what the pressure Liverpool have been under, but this is an unbelievable, unbelievable record this season. I've I've, I've been watching the field for a very very long time, and I've never seen that before in my life. And the I did some reading on this in the '88 side. Um, if they did the same 18, their, their first 18 games, and bearing in mind they went 29 unbeaten at the start of the season, we'd be two points ahead of them. And that's nuts, because that's, that, that's the most emphatic football team I've ever seen in my life, and we'd be ahead of them. The only comparison is City last year, obviously they got 17, and they had to beat Newcastle to make it, you know, to complete the set. Um, we'd just never done anything like this, the 17 and seed side, we'd be six points ahead of them. If he changes to three points to win, I mean, it's just it's just stupid. Um, but you're, you're right; you can't be complacent about it because, firstly, because it's Rafa and he likes a defence, and I think that's what they're going to do. They're just going to defend, and also they were two up at Old Trafford. Yeah. So, and we haven't gone two goals behind, and you know we saw what happened to City when they went two goals behind. Heads go. So we can't be put ourselves in a position where we think you know it's just Newcastle. You know they've, they're just a bit of a, a bit of a ragtag team, but you, you can't think like that at all. As, as you were saying before, it's. Um, no, sorry, as Johnny was saying before, there's, there's a, a draw is pretty much a loss these days. You can't afford it. You've got to put the pressure on City. You've got to say, we're, we're winning everything, lads. What are you going to do next? And you can't just go into City and look at the lead. Sorry, Newcastle going to the lead table and, and think, I'll be okay. It's only them. Just can't afford to do it. It's going to be Paul, the one where, as Chris says, you know they've got a very t- tried and tested formula for these bigger games this season. Old Trafford may be an exception, or it may just be that the counter attacking that day early in the game worked for them. But they they have their way of going about their business. They very much are a, a side that almost certainly will come to play five at the back, and we've got to be prepared. I think again that this may be another one where it's it's going to be as much about exhausting them physically, yes, but also mentally before we turn that into the goals. And uh, absolutely, but I think we're getting more experience of doing that now. I think that used to be something that hit us very, very occasionally. But I think now we know that that um, I mean, coin the phrase "winning ugly." We know now that we've just got to keep going and not abandon our game plan and not abandon our instructions and not abandon our ability to make changes mid-game with the personnel on the pitch. Because in past times, that's where we've sort of not met our, I don't know, our capacity, if, if you like. And I think now is the time. And that's the difference, I think, between someone that finishes second or third and someone that wins a, wins a Premier League. Is you see that, you suss it, you fix it and you go on to win. And it'll be a really interesting test for us. There's... I remember reading this last season, and it may well be now in hindsight, Johnny, one of the one of the Liverpool sides that we, what Liverpool performances last season that felt pretty mundane, but maybe is a little bit of a blueprint for what we've done this season was when we beat them at home last year, and there's this, there's this little thing in a I I saw it last year in the Chronicles, um, minute by minute, and Lee Ryder who covers them, uh, said this at half time of that game, which Liverpool went on to win two 0 uh, Newcastle have actually done done okay tonight for me. They've defended well for the most part, but switched off for a moment and Salah punished them. For all that, Modi Army could have sent the away fans into raptures. They had that chance. Newcastle are still in this, but let's get things straight. Liverpool have another gear or two, and United are going full throttle. How long can they keep that up? And I think that that's something which. You know, the sides who, when we've got another gear or two, we're coming up against opponents who are like, we can't do any more than this. We can't play any better than this. We can't hang in with you any more than this. And I do wonder, I remember reading that last year, I do wonder whether or not, firstly, that's the blueprint for what we've done a lot of this season. But secondly, if that's what we're also going to see on, on, on Boxing Day. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I, I think I, I think everyone in the room will be in the same boat as to sort of admire Benitez and, and and tactically one of the most switched on um, managers in world football, and certainly um, we, we love him. But but I think there's a mischaracterisation of of Klopp that he's not a, a brilliant tactician, yeah. and and I think there's almost and I, I was guilty of it. I think when he first came in. His extreme personality and the and the and the the, the manner in which he sort of uh, behaves on the touchline, you, you can be mistaken for thinking, well, this is this is all um, blood and thunder and and, and not brawn rather than brains to a large extent. This guy's masterminded the run that we've just been talking about and the, the run that is unequalled in Liverpool's history. He's not walking into these games. Naively, and he's not walking into these games without a huge amount of thought as to how to do this. This isn't luck. This isn't just because we've got marginally better players than some of these other teams. Yeah. It's that they're working within a system and a plan that he and his team have devised, and the fitness levels that have been worked on in in in, in the summer. None of this stuff's by accident. Anyone who thinks this isn't a highly uh, precise way of working is really just not paying attention, I, I, I don't think. And I think you mentioned earlier on, Neil, about walking out behind the Wolves fans and their, how impressed they were with, with, with Liverpool and the energy levels that this Liverpool team have got. I, 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 I think it has become a bit of a hallmark where... Watford was a good example really where Watford were in the game for 65, 70 yeah. minutes and then Liverpool put the hammer down and then they're gone yeah. in no time so I, I could see it potentially being quite a tight game for a long period on Saturday and, 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 and Rafa feeling on 75 minutes that his team have, have, have done well but but I'd be really, really confident that this Liverpool team will find a way we talked about problem solving earlier on I just think there's enough ways to win a football match that this team's now got living recent experience of that I just I'm just really really confident we will find a way barring aberrations they happen yeah. think th- weird things happen in football matches but I think um I'll be really really confident that Klopp has got a plan he's got the right team and we will be able to we, have, we, have, we haven't got here because he hugs people. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, the, it's more than I that. love that. The the the, the, Everton, the new Evertonian uh, jibe yeah. is that he just hugs people, and that that's yeah. ab- absolutely fantastic. That gets you unbeaten for eighteen games. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> some more people aren't doing it, Carl. Yeah. Uh, it's just hugging. Um, people are making notes on the sideline. Hug more. Yeah, we must hug more. Well, Mourinho <laughs> didn't do it. Look what's happened to him. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a lad the other day who I used to work with actually, and he, and he, he said something along the lines. Of the, the, today, Oli Solskjaer's got as many uh, trophies as a manager as, as Jurgen Klopp. But Klopp hugs, doesn't he? Proper Evertonian. It's fucking great. I love it. It is proper Evertonian behaviour, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm all for it. However, there's your shout. Well, I think you'll find it very accurate. Um, there, is, there is, Carl, something in. He's, and he, again, taking it deadly seriously, every match is a cup final, every game is another yep. one that needs to be won. But. He's got Arsenal. Uh, the smallest gap is between Newcastle and Arsenal. That is to come. Then there is the showdown at the Etihad. We'll come on to talk about Manchester City in a minute. I know everyone's desperate for it, you know what I mean? But we'll... we'll, 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 we'll Why, what happened? Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll perpetuate that. There is... 
I think you can expect a fair few changes, can't you, for for Newcastle? I don't think, yeah. you, I don't think you'd go mad, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's five or six. Yeah, I think so because um, I was thinking before the Wolves game when Adam needs a rest. He absolutely needs a rest, and he gave him a whole hour off. Yeah, thanks, boss. <laughs> Cheers, I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be changes all over. I think that's another reason Milner played right back and Trent was in the stands. Um, and I that think was great, by the way. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was nice to see. I allowed myself to think for a moment. Imagine being Trent Alexander-Arnold and... You, and when he's when his emotional showreel in his own head of like when he's won the the, the league at the end of the season, he look thinks back to that day he was in the away. Us having him as a talisman at the end of the season, having won having won the league, and he's been such a sound lad. As a little, little I'll tell you what, you are, you are, you are you're angering all the gods here, John. <laughs> <laughs> and to, 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 if, you know, the grief Dejan Lovren gets and you're just running your mouth off like that about yeah. talismans and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Dejan can't say that. I think we're quite good, you know, without getting slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm thinking he's just staring at Milner and going, no, nah, 10 more yards there, mate. He's right in front of him for the, for the second half, yeah. He's right in front of him. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be some change. I think, I think I don't know where he's going to look at Mane. Uh, I, I think Shakira will probably start this one. Um, but yeah, defensively, we haven't got much to change anyway. I can't see Moreno playing. He's going to play Robertson. And I think you might take people off as much as start them. I, th- I think you may get Moreno in this one, you know. Yeah. I think there's a fighting chance that this is this is this is becomes an RB Moreno game. I think he may because he's got it. I mean, he can't just keep. I mean, Robertson presumably won't play the th- third round of the FA Cup. Game, no, but he can't just keep running him. I, if he's if he's got his eye on one, it may well be this one. I'm intrigued to see what he does centre mid, where he does have a range of options. But he's yeah. put Henderson and, and, and Fabinho both played the last one. I, I, I'm intrigued to see what he does. I think that's why he brings Lallana on for Wolves. As I said, the game's pretty much won already, and um, you know I can get, I can just take I can just put take someone out, anyone out, just put you in for a bit. Because obviously, because I don't think he'd be involved in the next two games. Definitely not the next three. But um, yeah, I think that's why he brought Lallana in. So I think we're going to see some sort of names who aren't regulars, really. Um, I don't see a world where he's not playing Salah, Adam. I think Salah's starting and starting. I think Salah will keep keep starting until Wolves until the, the Wolves Cup game. But he, he may well do something else in the front three as well. Maybe, maybe. Um, I don't know because. I- I thought that maybe Newcastle might be one where he'd go again with the Sturridge uh, Arigi double that he that he tried the other week at Burnley. Yeah, Burnley. I, I I thought that might be one where he's thinking of that, and I think if he does that, I don't really know where Salah fits in with them. I think Mane fits in better with them too yeah. than than Salah does actually. So it, so it might be dependent on what he's thinking there. But I don't think he'll want to make wholesale changes. I don't think he'll want to do eight nine changes. I don't think that'll be part of his plan. Um, I mean, obviously he can't at the back anyway, really, because we haven't got the personnel. Um, but 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 I, I think. <laughs> The problem he's got is the gap between the games because it's too small to give players a proper recovery time, isn't it? And and I think that's maybe the, the big issue of why he might he might rest Salah more than we think, but he might rest him with the thought of I'll give him half an hour if we haven't got this sewn up by then. Um, and uh, yeah, but ju- just as a quick aside, because you guys at the match probably won't have seen this, Henderson did an interview afterwards with Kelly Cates and and the guys and uh, called Lovren Dayan. 
not Dejan, just a little you know note for everybody. And he said it twice as well. So I thought yeah. it was just a slip. But he kept calling him De- like Dian or something. He called could him. Be the, could be the Mac Mac. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah, could be. But I just thought it was really Dian. Just thought I'd just thought I'd uh, throw a complete non sequitur in to throw you off. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and there's a chance that Klein comes back in, John. Again, the idea of Milner runs and runs, and he may well want the option of something with Milner, mm. wherever he ends up featuring for the for the two games against Arsenal and City. That he, he may well want ninety minutes out of him in at least one of them. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think there's a fighting chance he, he might change both fullbacks. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think the, we're sat here in a situation where no one's horrified by that prospect as well, which is it is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we've been we, we, we've been a, a, a team that's been sh- short of options in, in, in other seasons where um, I think Klein's been, as everyone knows, invisible for the last, yeah. like, last eighteen months, and he, he, he played he played really really well last weekend. And I think has restored all of our our faith in him as a, as an option. And I think um, Moreno, I still think is quite in that same bracket where I think he would probably be the one that the fans would would be would be moderately anxious about. But I, st- I think. But I think in a Virgil team, he's, Virgil's not going to take any crap off him, is he? All, and I, you know, all I was going to say though yeah. was that the Klopp's and and our trust, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if if he he knows he's got more data than we've got, yeah. um, and he's got more information on which to base these decisions, and and he gets them right. So I think I think whatever we end up with, we've we've got to we've got to trust. But the, the, the lowest rank right back is the England international. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad, is it? Yeah. And everyone was commenting last week how he used to be ranked alongside Carl Walker. I think based on yesterday's yeah. Carl Walker performance, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's back to being <laughs> being well, true for you. The context then is Manchester City uh, were beaten by Crystal Palace. I mean, it's almost to me this is like going to become some sort of football and twenty first equivalent of, of a JFK moment. Where were you when that happened? Because no one was braced for it. It wasn't as though they were playing Chelsea at half five on a Saturday no. and going, "I've got one eye on this." Yeah. No one was braced for it. Um, um, and the, there was there was some scenes in our kitchen at three one. Um, I would I would describe it as bedlam. Um, somehow my glasses fell off and everything. Uh, got jumped. Someone someone appeared and jumped on me back and then disappeared. It was absolutely ridiculous. Could have been four as well. Um, Could have been four as a penalty. Yeah. yeah. What's a penalty? And I th- so I think that there is a suddenly. I think it's not just so much just that they got beat; it's that they looked a little bit mortal in doing it. I think that there's there's enough encouragement out of, you know, it wasn't like a miraculous, even though it felt like a Crystal Palace win. There's enough encouragement there for opponents to begin to have a little look at City across the next few weeks and think, you know, what could we just get something? Yeah, absolutely. It was. Uh, I mean, I was actually, I was actually sat finishing my volleyball scheme of work, and my iMac, which isn't mine, got lashed on the floor. So I'm praying it's still working. <laughs> but um, I, I was genuinely gobsmacked because, I mean. You know, you just don't want Roy Hodgson to do anything except yesterday. <laughs> Good fella. I've but, always loved him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there is that palace, I just think, Hodge, the Hodge, and I just think, oh no, anything. And But I couldn't believe I genuinely couldn't believe it. And I thought, they're not going to do us this favour, are they? But actually, I mean, they played well, and that Townsend strike was amazing. But as you say, it was the fact that watching it, uh, only in snippets because I didn't see the the whole game. But watching it, they just looked they looked more they looked like anyone could have a go with them. And I think going forward, teams teams avoiding relegation or looking for a Europa spot, I've got something to go for now. I, yeah, I just thought um, it was really nice just to see them taking long shots. 
Because that's yep. that's a really big deal in the last five minutes. Because they're just thinking we can't get through. It just it, it worked for them, and it worked for De Bruyne in the end, obviously. But um, that was that was really heartening. And just to look on um, his Sané, not Sané apparently, Sané's face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he is, apparently, that's what it is. Uh, um, According to Jordan Henderson, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> just went. It just um, just the look of exasperation all the time. Is 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 almost as if sort of. This should be going in. What's going yeah. wrong? Wan Bissaka uh, played brilliantly. I thought. Yeah, yeah, he really did. He really did. And um, I enjoyed his. Uh, to set a match today, I enjoyed his mad run up upfield. Where uh, <laughs> they said, if, you know, "If he's got a proper centre half next to him, going, what the hell are you doing up there?" Um, uh, I just thought it was just amazing. It's just one of those games where you could just see it in City's faces, if to say, "What happens if they, if this happens?" And it's the first ne- time. Ne- they, Neil's point about mortality is the thing that, that I take the most heart from, yeah. and, and I'm hoping. The teams like Leicester, who they've got coming up, will have been involved. Just beating Chelsea. Just beating Chelsea. Yeah. So all of a sudden, maybe they think about this game in a slightly different way. Whereas previously, um, meek surrender is now maybe turned into that we might be able to get something out of this game. Yeah. And more and more teams might decide to take advantage of the of the mood yeah. and uh, and really go and have a go at Man City. And who who knows who knows what shape they'll be in including, come the third of January. Us, obviously, including us, because you know because the City came to us to get a point yeah. you know, they basically played three at the back and pushed and Walker in and I think if we as you said if we, we go and get a point there that's no disgrace we're happy with that because it's basically it's only us two and um, you might sort of think well I don't think we're going to go for a draw now I think well if, if you can get enough they can see three to Palace then and they were good goals you know, and penalty as well but um, why not try and finish it there and there well, I mean, wow. Uh, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. Sorry, I've got, I've got old Johnny on that. <laughs> yeah, they became exciting sentiments. Uh, but the other side of it, Adam, is the one thing is it's the easiest message in the world for our manager prior to Newcastle and prior to Crystal Palace come to our place on the 19th of January. It's the easiest message in the world. This can happen, boys. This can happen. It happens to them, so it can happen to you. you this, you've got to do everything you can to ensure it doesn't happen. It's that what's going to be really interesting now is to see exactly, as Johnny says, how City react because... It, when you when you break it down, if you if you wanted to be if Guardiola was walking into the dressing room and trying to be positive and trying to be whatever, they've basically conceded a worldie and a penalty, and you know one goal that, we, that sort of came away. Now it could it really could have been should have been a second penalty. It could have been, um, but but that's you know he could he could look at that and go we're not going to concede a goal like Andre Andre Townsend has scored every single week. You know we're not going to give away penalties like that every single week. You know we just need to calm down. But at the same time, everyone's been saying for ages, how will City cope with being in a title race after being in a procession last season? How will they cope with the pressure? And it will be interesting to see how they cope. Do they go into Leicester with the same attitude of we'll just swagger and batter them because we batter everybody? Or will they be a little bit on edge now? Will they believe the, the, the buy-in? Will they buy into Guardiola saying it was a worldie and a penalty, don't worry about it? Or will they be a little bit more on edge now, a little bit more, oh, God, Vardy's running through on us. Oh, my God, oh, oh we've conceded again. Oh, Edison's not as good if he hasn't got the ball at his feet all the time. When he actually has to save a shot, he doesn't do it. Like, will will it start to affect them now in a, in a, in a way that... And it might not. They might. We, they, we might go there. We've drawn with Arsenal. They've won all of their games, and all of a sudden, a win for them puts them back above us. And you know, and that's it's going to be that back and forth for the for the title race. But it's going to be really interesting to, to to watch. And I think the really key thing for Liverpool sports, and I know loads of people keep saying it, but it really is true. We might not win the league this season. We might come second or third. We know there might be a team, but the, the, whoever wins the league is going to 
get in excess of 100 points. And if we come second to that, it's no disgrace. So we've got to enjoy these moments now. We've got to enjoy watching City and seeing how do they respond to this. We've got to enjoy watching Newcastle come to Anfield and thinking we've got to try and stifle this amazing Liverpool team. Because if you spend the whole time wondering about whether you're going to win the title or not, then at the end of the season, we might win the title, but you haven't enjoyed it. it this is a really exciting time to be watching football for the psychology, if nothing else. Yeah. It is an exciting time. It's a fantastic time to be alive. It was terrific at Wolverhampton on Friday evening. Uh, it was great in my kitchen on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it was. It was. I mean, it was tense. Don't get me wrong. And that was some five live coverage. Uh, if someone wants to pass regards onto them, it was the absolute business. Um, it is a great time uh, to be watching the Reds. Uh, can I have a little Newcastle prediction from each of you, um, Carl? Two nil. Two nil. That's exactly what I was going to say. One nil. One nil. Um. I think we win by two goals. Um, yeah, probably two now. Yeah, probably two now. But I think it's going to be tight and scrappy. I oh. do. I don't think it's going to be a. a, a, a I'm going, and and actually, certainly, the second game I've been to. The previous two games were four nils, both four nils. So you know, we come back over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, Let's enjoy it. Let's cut loose. I suspect the atmosphere, certainly for the first 15, 20 minutes against Newcastle, might be really rather good. Certainly better than Boxing Day normally serves up at Anfield. It's been the Anfield wrap this week in association with Reds Bet. We're partnering with them for 2018. My word. Uh, it's been some weekend, some turnaround. Liverpool find themselves. You can enjoy your Christmas day. You can enjoy your Christmas dinner. You can enjoy your top of the league sprouts. And you can enjoy them knowing that it's not one point clear, it's four. Sports Social Podcast Network.